Um, can we name this right. episode without actually having recorded it yet? Can we name this episode in reference to uh, uh, Sister Act Two, Back in the Habit? You know, that is hilarious. <laughs> you say that because I kept thinking about putting that in the script somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Just like looking at the word habits all over this uh, doc, um, that's like the only thing I can think of. Is Sister Act 2 back in the habit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you can work in the phrase back in the habit somewhere <laughs> in points? here, then it might end up being the title. Okay, I might get points. That's So that's your challenge. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Interrogang Podcast. This week, it's back-to-school time, and we're talking about how your education can shape your habits as a designer. Do you need to unlearn all you think you know before becoming a successful designer? Can you turn bad habits into a creative advantage? Well, we're just glad that you turned listening to this podcast into a habit, and a good one at that. I'm Joshua Dick, along with my good friend, your Interrogang co-host, and a man who always kicks asterisk, Kyle Reed. <laughs> Kyle, it's good to see you. It is a pleasure. After our summer break. It is a pleasure. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you look very tan. Looks like you came back from the beach or something. I did not. Thank you for saying so. Great. <laughs> you look very pale. Perfect. Yep. Okay. I stayed inside the entire summer. But it's nice to be back. Hey, that's actually, I think that's the healthier way to be these days. <laughs> All right, let's go. This is week 35, 2023. Hi, folks. And it's so good to be back with you all here to talk type and check out some Bezier skills again. While our little show was on a summer break, the independent type foundries out there were not, mm-hmm. for the most part. There were plenty of releases that I want to catch us all up on from the last handful of weeks, and I thought I'd make my recap a two-parter. Uh-oh. Yeah, get ready. Uh, There were so many fonts that I wanted to make sure uh, we got to to know, and the most exciting ones all got shared. So I'm splitting it up into two parts, the heavy hitters and the -the under-the-radar underdogs. This week, we are covering a few releases from the heavy hitters of indie type out there, the typefaces that demand some attention. We'll dive into the underdogs next week, but for now, let's get into some big names making big waves. Batting first, Colophon released Kibitz, a flared, angular serif design with plenty of edge. Inspired by the aesthetics of vintage playing cards and named after the act of providing unwelcome advice at a card game, fascinating, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Kibitz is ready for the felted tables as a display face with asymmetrical moments. Instead of ball terminals, it's got spades. Instead of curved legs and arms, it's got chamfered lines. Kibitz is a family of five weights without italics that deserves to be a heavy hitter because of the risks this typeface is taking. It's doing some very different things, shaking things up, and we love to see that. Yes, Kibitz is having fun with body parts. <laughs> the letters, the, the legs, the ears, the tails. Yeah. That's the, those are the winners from here because they're all having more fun than every other font. Colophon has always been very good at making genre specific like classics, new classics, if you will. This is kind of going in the opposite direction. This is creating something new and them having fun and not really adhering to just one set of rules per genre. 
Um, yeah, this is pretty cool. And when you're having that much fun with body parts, you should label as NSFW. <laughs> well, second up is Mass Driver's MDIO. It has graduated from future fonts and come into its full and forever form. This typeface was just released this week, actually, so it's the freshest on the list. MDIO, if you had been following its development on future fonts, is an extremely legible monospace typeface designed for coding and everything not coding related too. The letter forms across all eight weights have that distinct Rutherford craze precision about them, featuring sharp and clear ink traps and legibility-minded counterforms. It looks really good on a coding slate, especially in dark mode. If you don't have a coding typeface in your library, this is likely going to set a new standard, so pick it up. Yeah, this is a good one. Third in the batting order comes from Leinster Type out of Brisbane, Australia. They released their third major release, Aline. That's spelled with a G in there. A-L-I-G-N-E. Aline is a high-contrast Geo Sans type family that falls in the third category of contrast model. Neither translation nor expansion, but central. I really like this third category. It's a... Uh, not touched very often, and it yields some incredible results. The central model of contrast takes each letter as its own context for carrying weight, which makes for some stark geometric shapes. It's got an innovative freshness to it that makes you want to use it in bigger, wide-reaching branding projects and just feature some of those oddball moments uh, where the contrast is different than in any of the other two models. Aline is available in five weights from light to black or as a variable font for adjusting weight grades with fine precision. I just, I love Aline so much. I don't understand how a yeah. font that is so quirky can be so normal at the same time. <laughs> it feels correct in a weird way. It's just, it, it feels so normal. It feels so natural. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the individual parts, they're all so uh crisp and unique and in some cases very odd and the g oh the g how i love its little thunderbolt of a g yes it's just it's a tiny little pikachu tail g it again is just it's good fun that mm -hmm. that it has been had but it feels like it should be crazier in in long <laughs> text and it's just not yeah yeah it shouldn't work on paper but yeah, that's the skill of a type designer. If you're venturing into this third category of contrast, it takes some real skill and some real experience designing typefaces in the other two models. So you know how to combine them in this innovative third space. Um, and yeah, Eileen does it great. Um, Troy knocked it out of the park. And lastly, batting in the superior slugger spot in the lineup, Spades is a new contemporary Baroque typeface <laughs> from Order Type Foundry. Designed by Sasha Hobson, Spades is a typeface that blends historical influences of ornate 18th century typography with the modern device of an ink trap. Contemporary Baroque is seemingly new territory, not only for order type foundry, but for the type design space in general. Uh, Spades is doing its own thing, enjoying the clean air of its own lane. Spades is establishing its own presence with meaty weights, muscular strokes, and hard-edged cuts in those ink traps. The typeface feels literary and bookish, too. That's kind of a, a nice charm to it, across its five weights of Roman and Italic styles. 
The Foundry says that while seemingly contradictory, Spades finds an overlap and forges its voice as a typeface through the extravagance, expression, and attitude of the respective eras. It sounds pretty epic, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a true mashup and bound to do some damage in your own font lineup. Uh, pick that one. Check this one out. And that's it. There we go. The heavy hitters. Knocking it out of the park. This is just the first part of my little summer review, uh, with next week being devoted to the underrated types released over the summer break that you may have missed. So look forward to that and check out any and all of these typefaces that you learn about on this show because we really do love them all. They are fantastic pieces of type design and we hope that you can find something new out there. And tune in next week. You don't want to miss it. (laughs) That's right. Well, it's that time of year again. Back to school time. Not for us, the two of us this year, but for other people. And that got me reminiscing about going to college. Ah, what a free and easy time. Ah, yes, the nostalgia of school. Those were the days. And what I was remembering was that when I was visiting colleges towards the end of high school and and auditioning at these colleges because I was looking to go for the for the theater arts. All those BFA theater programs would tell all the prospective students that they should not expect to get cast in any plays their freshman year, that they won't be allowed to work outside of the school at any theaters because the first year will be about unlearning everything you think you know about acting. They they wanted mm-hmm. to tear you down in order to build you up within their their methods with with their own style. And I ended up going to a school that didn't do this, but mm-hmm. I I realized I this became so common in my school search that I, I don't know if I realized that I didn't know if this is how other arts programs work. Sure. So what I want to do is I want to talk about this educational approach and does it show up in the realm of design schools? But then I also wanted to expand the conversation to talk about our own personal habits, anyone's personal habits in design. Are, are our habits things we need to break down before we can learn? And and what does it mean to have bad habits in type? And, and how can you use those if you have them? Stuff like that. But let's... Yeah, great question. Kyle, let's start with just the general... Do, do design schools have this process that, that they want you to, to quote-unquote unlearn everything you know before they can start to teach you? I think some of them do and some of them don't. I think the really serious ones do and the the more, uh, I guess, larger schools or uh, free-flowing schools probably don't. Yeah. But it is a really distinct educational model, right? It's right. Um, do you learn what we, what, what we want you to learn and expect you to perform? Or do we, does, does the educational institution actually want to draw out something in you that's you know not installed by the school i think some design schools do that probably more serious ones up 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 north if we're talking east coast art schools (laughs) up up in the north country yeah in the north country Uh, i went to scad and uh they did not do this they did not down in the south country to unlearn everything yeah that's down south right yeah, I'd say that uh, yeah, SCAD's probably the Hufflepuff of art schools. If <laughs> if you're looking for an art school, uh, 
they didn't have this top down approach. I just love that you referred to SCAD as the Hufflepuff. Yes, I do. That is, I do think that's right. If that is not on their marketing material next year, (laughs) I don't know what they're waiting for. Yeah, but the design program there, um, you know, all jokes aside, it was very, very good. Uh, It just wasn't this, you have to unlearn everything first in order to learn more. Well, I do think performing arts is different, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with something like acting. It's it's in your body. So the habits you bring are really part of you, which is a little scary that then the ideas are breaking down who you are. And like I said, I didn't end up going to one of those BFA programs that that did that. But my wife, Caroline, did. And she mm-hmm. she told me a story where on her first day, the head of the department said, look to your right, look to your left. One of the people you just looked at will not graduate with you in four years. Like, that's the kind yeah, of mode tough. that performing <laughs> arts programs can can be in. Did she go to the Navy so, SEALs for a, an she, acting She did not. Degree? <laughs> that would be odd. So yeah, I, I do think that that's just a, a perhaps a different world. Um, but I I want to talk about, mm-hmm. now I want to kind of mold this back into talking about the habits that you bring with you from, you know, high school into college or even through your life. So let's talk about like, what are some bad habits yeah. in type? And we're not talking like work habits or life habits. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're talking about design, how you how you work in type design. Sure. So, yeah, what do you think bad habits are are common in type design? Do you think people do carry them with them? And do you think they're are they hard to break in in type? I'm sure there are plenty of bad habits out there in type design. And there were probably more that were more consequential back in physical type eras. Sure. Like wood type or metal type. That makes sense. Um, where you were producing something <laughs> physical. But yeah, here with the digital side of things, uh, I mean, it's easy to control Z or uh, copy <laughs> and paste or, <laughs> you know, little things. So most of the bad habits are probably technical. Like you don't, um, you know, create points on your letter in the right, you know, polar spaces or, I mean, you can get really granular. I know a lot of graphic designers, some of them name their layers in design production software some of them don't Mm -hmm. that could be considered a bad habit but yeah i think most of it is if it's not technical then it's like a style thing like you it's like handwriting at that point you kind of always make your fours a certain way or something like that and it's not necessarily bad it's just different right so I, i don't know if there are too many really consequential bad habits in type yeah i'm kind of viewing quote unquote bad habits as like go-to traits that you develop that are yeah. are objectively like unhelpful in some way. They're they're changeable. They're things you can work on. Yeah. But but there's something that you kind of have ingrained that that are not helpful to your to your process. I think the kind of the parallel in acting would be if you're not good at making eye contact with your partner. Mm-hmm. That's a very common thing with young actors. But it's a really it's sure. a really unhelpful thing. You're you're just in your own world. That's a good one. You're you're not relating. Yeah. And you do want to break that. You want to fix that. Totally. And and I do think that's like a thing from young actors. Do yeah. you think there's something is there something common that young designers or or drawers or anyone who's who's kind of in the 
creation realm, do you mm-hmm. think there's something that coming from high school into college is something that that is common? Uh, totally. I mean, I think we we all learn what we think is good taste coming in, you know, throughout our childhoods, <laughs> yeah. right? And we have ideas right. of what is good and what is bad objectively, and some of those might be bad habits in the end. Right. I think in type specifically in type education programs, I see a lot of students. They try to bring all that baggage of what they think a font is supposed to be into the process instead mm-hmm. of saying, "Hey, let's mm-hmm. uh, be open minded about it." So this probably goes back to your yeah. question about breaking things down first, of saying, "I I I don't want to bring all of my preconceptions into the into the process. I just want to bring my skills into the process." And I think a lot of students do that. Right. They, they tend to say, "Oh, but a, a G is supposed to look like this," or a Right. S is supposed to have this thing on the end of it. It's like, no, not necessarily. Like, you know, unlearn a little bit. Um, so that might be a bad habit. I don't I don't know if that's quite what you're you're getting at. Let me devil's advocate for a point here. Let me Sure. Like, aren't what we're considering habits, whether they're good, bad, ugly, whatever, mm-hmm. aren't they in some ways just calling cards? Aren't they what you bring to the table. They're what you developed as you grew, as you first learned things, and Mm -hmm. you did what worked for you. And so are those things that we should want to target and then shut down? And I I guess kind of the at the kernel of this for me is who's to say a habit is bad? Right. Or or like one man's bad habit could be another man's treasure, you know? Right. We we're looking for if we're looking for the new, the next thing, the unique, Mm -hmm. aren't there dangers to seeking out uh, what even might be considered a bad habit and saying, we're just going to, we're going to rip that away. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think, I think in, in, in forms of art making, not necessarily design making, Mm-hmm. But art making, like painting, illustration, yes, your your habits can be a calling card. I think uh, you know Picasso liked to draw a certain way just because that was the the way that he instinctively went for it. Or uh, certain painters used a certain color because they liked it better, or um, or they tended to to use a certain brush technique over the others. Um, you know, bad habits like that. Uh, yeah, that can definitely be an ownable thing that you can use to your advantage. I think when it comes to design making, it's there's less room for those habits to come through and say, this is just how I do it. I think about all the foundries that we track and how each foundry kind of does have its own vibe, its own look, its own aesthetic, if you will. Yeah. You can kind of yeah. tell when a commercial typeface comes out or when a uh, blaze type right. you know, yeah. typeface comes out. They're different. And I think that is a result of the habits that, you know, those type designers have used in inspiration, but it's not like they came from uh, just things that they would casually do that affected the end. Cause it's a design process. You go through right. and you, you correct and you, you refine. And, and I think that refining process kicks out a lot of bad habits. Yeah. I think to, to kind of go against my own devil's advocation here. And it's very... <laughs> Your angel's advocation My angel now. advocation is... Um, 
is a very unsatisfying answer. Isn't it always Mm -hmm. good versus evil? That it depends, right? (laughs) Yeah. If something is truly a bad habit, if you're really not making eye contact when you perform across from somebody, there's no good that comes from that. Yeah. If you are saying a G looks like a G and you can't change it, okay, well, then maybe you should choose a different field. Yes. You're way off. There are some right answers, right? (laughs) So I... Well, let me let me bring this all the way back then. Let me ask you the the, the big question okay. about this idea, this concept of going into starting your freshman year at college and being told, I want you to forget everything you've learned. Yeah. So that we can mold you in our own image, as it were. Right. What's your like what's your take on that? What are your pros and cons to that? Do you think that's yeah a, a worthy pursuit? Well, maybe it's the fact that it came from a Hufflepuff school, but I think that <laughs> I think that you should your education should build upon what you already bring to the table. Yeah, I think that's what makes people unique. That that's what makes us different. I think if we ta- tore everything down in in first year students trying to learn something like type design or anything, and just installed the current mode of thinking at that school. We would end up with a lot of very similar thinkers, similar solutions, and the world would get very uh, gray very fast. I think it's the the building upon what people already bring to the table that uh, makes it a more colorful world. And that's super true in design and um, and art making in, in general. We shouldn't be shutting down those habits or advantages that people bring to the table we should say how can you know this more traditional or more current way of thinking help you move forward in the path that you've already started on yeah and yeah maybe filter out some things that really aren't helpful like a g has to look a certain way (laughs) right um and that's i mean that's part of education uh but build upon it don't just wipe the slate clean and install a basic program that's silly if a G had to look a certain way, we would never have Leinster types Aline. And that would be go. a tragedy. Right. No, I I, I mean, I, I never liked this concept. It's why I ended up not going to a, a program that employed <laughs> it. Because it, it always felt like yeah. cutting off your nose to spite your face. It felt like slash and burn mm. for no good reason other than, I mean, <laughs> dare I even say, like, laziness. We're not going to bother to learn mm-hmm. about you, the person. We're going to assume we don't like what you bring to the table. And so we're just going to chop it off. Yeah. We're just going to be, and maybe you're brilliant. Discredits you out the box. But I'm not going to, odds are you're not brilliant. So I'm just going to tear it down. And I don't know. Yeah. Super unfortunate. Isn't you're it? probably cutting off some really talented people and who bring talented yeah. things to the table. And right. you should, even if there's some bad habits, I feel like you should be able to work within those bad habits to make them usable. Yes. You know, if it, if it is, again, you can't make eye contact. Well, what are you looking at? How do you use the lack of eye contact to convey something? You know, yeah. there are ways, but it takes time. It takes work with an individual. And I do understand that a school, a program, an education, a class can't yep. know that they're going to be able to devote the time and energy for everyone to succeed in that. So I get the premise on paper. Yeah. But it is strange to me that that 
at least in performing arts, became normal. It's a normalized thing. And yep. I'm glad to hear that it's perhaps less common in design schools or or in type design specifically. But I do think that when someone is self-reflecting on what your habits may or may be, what is what is something mm-hmm. I do that maybe I could do less of or or that I tend to do and maybe I should break that, which I think is a very valuable yeah. exercise. I also would hope that there's time spent whether you're self-reflecting or reflecting on a student you might have to say, how do I cultivate that? How do I build off of that building that's already there as opposed to saying, right. I'm going to burn this MF or to the ground and start fresh. Yeah. Bad habits are ultimately just opportunities. Ooh, if you that, really think about it. Put that on a pillow. There you go. Um, but I, I, I do believe that. I think a habit can be bad or good just depending on how you look at it. And you look at it as an opportunity and say, it's cool that you do that. You're very good at doing that. You've formed this methodology around, you know, your craft, but, um, you know, can you twist that and, and use it to your advantage? I think that's the right way forward. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard when you think about <laughs> teenagers, we're talking about freshmen in <laughs> college, right? Yeah. Right. That's and another there's, thing, right? So there is a question of like, what, how much experience in a creative field do you have? Because also there's a huge difference. Can you imagine a, a chemistry major and there being like, everything you've learned about chemistry, forget about it. Yeah. I want you to forget everything you learned. We're going to start fresh and be like, why did I go to high school? That's so silly. Why yeah. did I spend all that time <laughs> in AP chemistry for this? So that's also mm-hmm. like, I know the that art programs are different than science programs, but still right. there's kind of a, a ridiculous uh there but you don't know what Mm -hmm. someone's coming from and maybe they haven't had a lot of experience they are young they're teenagers what what did any of us know as teenagers nothing right but it's still that's what learning it's still enough for me to think that you should be working with the person in front of you yeah well i now that we've talked through how having bad habits is not a death sentence and maybe even a, a positive as you enter into college. I want to know, Kyle. Yeah. What was a what was a bad habit you had going into freshman year of college that you or even now or whenever, I don't know. What's what's a oh. bad habit in type design sure. that you recognize in yourself? Mm. Doesn't have to What's something that you bring? I don't need it to be bad, whatever. Yeah. Tell us about you. Uh let's let's just say now. Um in type design, I, oh boy, I have a habit <laughs> of starting things and not finishing them. Sure, sure. And that can be a very bad habit sometimes, especially in type, because you get so excited and you have this like momentum behind you. And type design is a is a craft that takes a long time and takes diligence and commitment and some uh, some discipline to to get through the the roller coaster of momentum that you have through a project. And I've always been susceptible to once the momentum runs out, I kind of move on to something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of half-baked projects. And I think a lot of type designers do. This is a very common thing. But the, the, having a, a habit of putting in the, the, the time on the characters that you, that you like, that you envision in your mind, 
and then stopping once it gets difficult and you have to translate that and understand it into into other characters. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a bad habit, I think. That's one I've got. You go through the fun parts yeah. and then wait for someone else to do the hard part. Right, yeah. That's a very Hufflepuff way <laughs> about things, I think. Was it like um, you ever have Lucky Charms growing up as a kid, breakfast cereal? And you, and you eat, all, eat the all the marshmallows. That's the way I usually start all my type design projects. That's how you work. Yeah, but it's better if you, you know, have the marshmallows yeah. and the the cereal parts at the same time. Um, otherwise, you're just stuck eating all the bland <laughs> cereal. <laughs> leave it, leave it to Kyle to do a cereal analogy. Yeah, very on for brand how for he me. works in type design. <laughs> but, or you could be the crazy person who eats around the marshmallows. You eat just. That's who, psychopath behavior. That's, I don't know where yeah, that's, that's a serial who killer. does that. That's a serial killer. Oh Yay! no! <laughs> well, what about you, Josh? Do you have any bad habits in your in your daily life or in your craft of uh, wait? You know, yeah, I'm gonna things? I'm gonna take it back to when I went to college. Sure. for for acting. Yeah, um, it was pointed out to me early on that when I was when I would be performing a song, that I would use my arms symmetrically which if you really? think about it it's not thing to how know about people yourself. it's not how people move it is very <laughs> odd like try it sometime try to have a conversation with someone and you yeah. only move your arms symmetrically that's so strange but but i only did it when i performed songs mm-hmm. i would like hold my arms out or and i think it was a like i didn't know what to do with my hands kind of yeah, thing yeah yeah but it was very quickly pointed out to me that if you have asymmetry, if one arm does something that the other doesn't, which is so, like, obvious, it's dynamic, mm-hmm. it's interesting, and it's actually how human right. beings move. <laughs> so you're not technically human? <laughs> I, I wasn't for a while. Yeah. So that was something that I had to work. You had to unlearn that. I actually, like, worked on that of of, like, when I'm acting and making choices with my hands, that how do I make natural looking movements but i'm not always coming in for the hug you know and uh you know it's but that's the kind of weird thing that's the kind of thing that you should notice about Mm. yourself and it's a shame when it comes to someone having to point it out to you i don't know i don't know that about myself maybe i do that i have no idea well i'll keep an eye out for it sure for you kyle (laughs) So with that, I guess, leaves us with the question of should we be unlearning these bad habits that we have or that you had with your in your case? Like, yes, it was good that you unlearned that. Right. In my case, I have no idea if it's a good thing to (laughs) to unlearn that. I think I need to learn additional skills on top of getting through the, the, the fun parts first, as in, you know, how do I enjoy the the full process of type design and have fun in that? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it comes back to there's a at some point it's who you are. At some point it's yeah. what I do. It's it's a Kyle thing. It's a Josh thing, right? And you either have to like it or lump it. Like that's just how it goes. <laughs> I do think it matters that we are now in our mid thirties. We're mm-hmm. not going to change much. No, moving forward, we're, it's, I mean, we're, we can though. We can. It's probably we, harder. <laughs> we can try. But yeah. we are pretty solidified, unfortunately. Neural pathways are well trodden. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, they are hardening by the day. Yes, and not getting any softer. So I, I, yeah. I do think age 
makes a difference, though yeah. it does not mean, I do not mean to say we should not try. Right. We should always try to better oneself. Well, that's a good challenge then. You know, identify what kind of bad habits you have and see how well traveled those neural pathways are in your mind and say, can I relearn how to do this in a different way? Or can I find in a way to add to this to make my life easier or my process better? Yeah, that's a great challenge for anybody out there looking to you know, better their experience. Well, and I think another bad habit of mine is that I never plan how to end these podcasts. So uh, yes, notoriously bad I figure habit, at Josh. this point, I'm just going to keep talking. And at some <laughs> point, uh, Andrew will. That's it for this week's Gang. This episode was edited by Andrew Spheris, who also provides most of the original music you hear on our episodes. The music you are listening to right now is Cut It Loose by Max Band. The Gang is a production of Proof & Co. Visit our website at proofco.xyz for links to all the digital products we have to offer, the concierge newsletter, our industry report and almanac, all that good stuff. Follow us on uh, X at proof underscore end underscore co, on Instagram at proofco.xyz, or drop us a line via email at hello at proofco.xyz. If you have any thoughts on what we discussed in this episode, have any topics you would like to hear discussed on a future Interrogang, or if you too eat all the marshmallows in your Lucky Charms first, we'd love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the podcast, and of course, we hope you are, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month by following the link in our episode notes. Your support helps us expand what Proof & Co. and the Interrogang have to offer, and we truly appreciate your support. As always, thanks for being a part of the Interrogang. We will see you next time. Whatever. All right. Ending the recording. Back in the habit. Ah, <laughs> no, you stuck it in.